It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Matthew Wright Show on Crucible of Broadcast Excellence. Talk Radio. Put it on and keep it on. Too busy to catch us on the afternoons on talk radio. Too many children to care for. Too many jobs to manage. Well, never fear. Help is here in the shape of the Matthew Wright podcast, where we cut down three hours of entertainment and enlightenment every afternoon into tiny bite-sized morsels just for you, you busy so-and-so. So sit back and enjoy the best of the Matthew Wright Show here on talk radio. Yes, they call it uh, jihadi rehab, uh, and it's a very different system to the one that we run here in the UK. Joining us now uh, is a researcher in counter-violent extremism, and he previously worked for the organisation Prevent, Liam Duffy. Hello, Liam. Hello. Can you explain exactly what the Danish uh, do to their jihadis? Uh, Yeah, I can give it a go. Um, So I I just want to clarify something. So I think you mentioned uh, foreign terrorist fighters coming back from Iraq and Syria, joined ISIS, um, and how they're kind of in the UK, there's this presumption that they're getting a a one-way ticket to to court in prison. And um, that's not actually the case. Only a small fraction of returning uh, foreign terrorist fighters have actually even made it to court. And then an even smaller percentage of that have actually gone on and received prison sentences. So actually, I know it's right to look around the world and it's right to look at uh, particularly the Danish model. But in terms of principle, strategy and concept of how they're handling it, it's, it's not actually dissimilar to the United, what the UK is doing. Okay. Now, there might be different in terms of resources and there might be differences uh, in the nuance of delivery. But actually, the thinking behind it is very similar. I get, I, sorry, oh, sorry just, just out of interest, Liam, uh, and this might be a question out of your uh, sort of remit, but how do the Danish people feel about it? Because when we were sort of discussing this right at the beginning of the show, you know, it, it sounded from what we've been reading, you know, Denmark's got a really good system going here. It seems to be working in a, in a much more effective way than we, it does in the UK. And when we were thinking, we were saying, well, maybe we could go follow this, you know, go down this route. And you think, can you imagine the Daily Mail? You know, man kills, you know, jihadi kills five Brits, we give them a free house. So, I mean, that wouldn't play out very well here at all. No, and, that, and actually that's the challenge of, of, uh, of any... So Prevent is part of a kind of global picture called Countering Violent Extremism, CVE, um, of which the Danish models you're talking about are part of that as well. Um, and that, that is actually part of the challenges because this gets attacked from the political left yep. who see it as victimising yep. uh, Muslim citizens. Yep. Uh, and then it gets attacked from the political right as well who see, see it as being too soft on yep. terrorists. Um, and while I completely do, uh, disagree with the former, on, on the latter, it might seem counterintuitive and and trust me i'm i'm no dove on this kind of stuff but if it's at the end of the day if it 
if that's the approach that stops people getting killed, then we need to look at that. Can you tell us what that approach is? Can you tell us about the Danish model? What do they do over there? Yeah, sure. So, like I said, it's it's not dissimilar to Prevent. Um, I think I think Prevent has this. Um, it's often called a toxic brand and, and all sorts of things like that. Um, and it's you know it's said that it's failed. Um, in reality, I think what, a domestic what Denmark, spying program. I think that's yeah, what Shami Chakrabarty yeah. called it. Yeah. Yes, that, that's, that kind of stuff happens, and those accusations are around all the time. Um, but in in reality, I think in Denmark, they don't really have this kind of ecosystem of groups and people and public figures attacking their work, as far as I know, and to, at least to the same extent that we have in the UK. So a kind of very successful lobby has, has really successfully done that toxifying of, of Prevent. So uh, it brings me back to my original point on on how similar actually the UK and Danish approaches are. And in terms of the Danish approach, so there's, there's two different elements to this. There's counter-radicalization and there's de-radicalization. Yes. Uh, and they're often conflated and they're not yes. the same thing. So when we talk about counter-radicalization, what we mean is people who actually haven't engaged yet. So they might be on the way to radicalizing, yeah. uh, on you know, flirting with violent extremist ideas, terrorist ideas, but they haven't actually crossed that criminal threshold or that violent threshold yet. Um, and that might mean activism, fundraising. It doesn't necessarily mean you're the one who picks up a gun or goes to fight. Um, and de-radicalization is for those people who have actually crossed crossed that threshold. Uh, and in both cases, both the UK and Denmark, we do use counter-radicalization counter and de-radicalization in different circumstances. Um, and in a lot of cases, it involves um, one-on-one mentorship. It can involve ideological uh, peer-to-peer mentorship. So if it is an Islamist terror recruit, uh, there are specially trained imams and specialists on the religion who can try to give them a yeah. more nuanced understanding and a realistic understanding and steer them away from the jihadist ideology. Can, can, can I, I, I know this, this might sound taking a, a fairly straightforward subject and, and reducing it to its sort of component parts as, as real baby steps, but why would helping a young person who is either becoming radicalised or has become radicalised, done bad and is now in need of de-radicalisation, why would housing, healthcare, help finishing school and help finding work stop them wanting to kill people? Just out of interest, because it's I, I think one of the, 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 the steps that our, our politicians are missing on is actually why people want to become... Why radicalisation exists in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the sort of root causes, and, and, I, and I'm just fascinated why housing, healthcare, better education, help finding work can stop someone becoming one of our enemies. I, I mean, that, that's a great question. That's the, that's the million-dollar question. Um, it might not, to be frank. It, it really <laughs> might not work. Um, I, I've, I'm certain it has worked, and it does right. work in specific cases. Um, could you put, could you put a percentage on it, Liam? No, and I don't think we'll know that for for years to come, to be honest. Um, and what, and especially if we're talking about pr- prison de-radicalisation schemes, in order to properly get a number like that, you'd have to have some sort of control group, yes. which hasn't had any kind of uh, intervention, and then released back onto the streets. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't think there's much appetite. No, that's a hell of a social experiment. Um, exactly. Yeah. I, 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 it's just fascinating that that basic basic stuff, which is a roof over your head, someone to look after your, your medical needs, education and help finding work. Th- these are basic steps that could help any person, any young person, anywhere. And I just find it fascinating. These are the steps that have been identified as a way of preventing or de-radicalising someone. The Matthew Wright Show on Talk Radio. 
anti-Asian, anti-Chinese racism. Yeah, so back here in Britain, there are nearly 450,000 ethnic Chinese living here, uh, 100,000 Chinese students, and many of them are reporting a disturbing rise in racist incidents uh, obviously linked to coronavirus and the ignorant idea that uh, these people are somehow spreading. You were telling me you've heard people say they won't go to Chinese restaurants because yeah, they yeah, think they're People think they get them God. from Chinese takeaways. Joining us now is uh, British Chinese uh, comedian uh, Ken Cheng. Hello, Ken. Hi. Afternoon, Hi, you. Uh, your, your thoughts on this uh, disturbing rise in racism against British Chinese people uh, because <laughs> they're thought to be spreading the coronavirus. Yeah, like you just heard, the statistics of it, there, there are not many confirmed cases in the UK, hardly any, and the, it, in terms of the percentage of Chinese people who actually have it here, very, very low. So it is just a case of, I guess, bad statistics on that part, on part of people who think, oh, okay, so it mostly comes from China, then all Chinese people have it, when obviously that's not the case. I, I didn't check the veracity of this, I must say, Ken, but last week when the coronavirus story was uh, raging, uh, all these pictures, or this film started appearing on Twitter of Chinese people allegedly eating live mice oh, and God. bat soup. Uh, this is nonsense, isn't it, all this stuff? Um, there are. Uh, I, I can't speak much for what's going on in China, as I, I'm British. I'm born in Britain and mm. stuff, and uh, certainly I don't eat any of those, those kind of things. But I have had comments on Twitter already where they someone just replied to a tweet saying you eat bat soup, so it's already spreading as a as an idea that if I'm if you are ethnically you are ethnically Chinese, you automatically eat that kind of thing. Mm. So that you've so you so you've been slurred yourself. Uh, just on Twitter, yeah. I've never, I've not had it on in in real life. Luckily, I think it is still kind, quite minor. It's not the average person won't slur me in public. Um, so that's that's one silver lining. It's so, it's so disappointing. I've always been of the mindset that racists are inherently thick people, and uh, and I guess that this is uh, this is a, as clear a demonstration of that hypothesis as there is to, as there is to offer. I mean, it's just ill-informed nonsense. It's a but need very to blame. Isn't it? It's a yes, need, a need to blame. To blame. Um, do you think the media has, has handled the story uh, properly from your perspective? I think it's been okay in the sense that it is quite a, a fast spread of the disease, so it is important yeah. to report it. I don't think they're actively encouraging any of this behaviour, which is good. Um, but I, I, can't, I can't speak for um, all the media, because obviously uh, different people read different sources of media, and there are probably some which do, do slightly frame it um, more towards a race issue. Would you, um, I mean, I, I hate to bring up the B word Brexit when we're talking about the C word coronavirus, but uh, <laughs> right. it, it, it was stated, um, I think it's been widely circulated now that on Saturday, I think it was, somebody, some idiot posted a note, uh, in fact, posted a number of notes on, on a tower block up in Norwich, basically saying, you know, we don't want you foreigners here, we don't want you speaking in your foreign language, we don't want you, you know, you're going to speak English, blah, 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 blah. Do you, would you equate any rise in uh, anti Chinese racism? Racism with a rise in racism generally? Yeah, I'd say I wouldn't particularly put it on Brexit. Yeah. I always think of Brexit as a symptom of a general well angst yeah. towards immigration that has been rising over the last 10, 20 years. And 
I just see it as a part of that. I don't want to like focus too much on Brexit. There's more of a greater problem inbuilt that people will turn to race immediately when it, when when there is an opportunity to. I, I, yes, I, I guess so. I just I, I watched this woman Sylvia talking on Channel Four News last night, mm-hmm. and I'll be absolutely honest, Ken, uh, it broke my heart. If I'm honest, yeah. I mean, you know, abusing someone on a tube train is deeply unpleasant. At anyway, to then get off and follow the woman to yeah. properly abuse her on the street just disgusts me, quite frankly. And uh, and I'm very glad, Ken, that we've been able to speak to, to someone like yourself, who at least is demonstrating, uh, as indeed I guess most of us have to, a sort of philosophical calm in, in the face of adversity. So, Ken Cheng, thank you very much for joining us online. Oh, I hate racists. I absolutely hate it. I just hate it. I don't understand it. The Matthew Wright Show on Talk Radio. Introduce our next guest, please. Yes, well, it's uh, Dr Julian Boone, who's a forensic psychologist. A real forensic psychologist, not an actor. (laughs) Have we got a few of them? Yeah, he's real, (laughs) yes. Uh, One of a a team of experts who are contributing to a new series which starts next Monday on uh, the Crime and Investigation Channel at uh, 9 o'clock. And it's... uh, about uh, it's called Making a Monster, and it sheds light on some of our worst serial killers and the these traumatic life events that contributed to them. You becoming got me. The you got me addicted to the Netflix or Amazon or whatever yeah. tax avoiding scumbag corporation made it. The Mindhunter series <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was fantastic because that's the sort of the yeah. birth of the FBI looking at serial killers. Yeah. Well, this is the real life version. Among the subjects of this series, that there'll be Rose West, uh, Levi Belford, uh, Stephen <laughs> Griffiths, uh, John Wayne Gacy. And so. Uh, Dr. Welcome. Julian Boone is here. Good afternoon, Julian. Good afternoon. I, I, I have a relative. Um, again, I keep, I keep names down, and she works in one of our secure uh, hospitals. And um, it's fascinating listening to her accounts of some of the people that Kevin's already mentioned because, uh, well, the Yorkshire Ripper, nice man, lovely man. Wasn't he? Uh, Fred West, lovely man. Mm. Howard Shipman, lovely man. She seems to have seen that she's the good in everybody. There were downsides. <laughs> there were downsides. <laughs> <laughs> just up close and personal, it's just quite weird to hear it. <laughs> Actually, but that does lead to an interesting question. That these uh, monsters in your series, I mean, were they face-to-face capable of being pleasant? And uh, Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. So uh, tell us about could that. be. Um, well, one I can think of immediately, Alien Warnos. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alien Warnos, who um, killed... Um, I think six males, but we really think rather more, and she would um, pose as a prostitute. Um, and she could be very charming with them, and then they'd find themselves getting shot. <laughs> and then uh, in a whirlwind romance, she picked up with a 69-year-old socialite. And, Don't uh, get any ideas, Kevin. <laughs> 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 well, certainly not with her for Yeah, I'm not tempted, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and uh, she very quickly started bashing him up with his uh, walking stick. Oh and the marriage lasted all of nine weeks before it was annulled. And uh, she was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and ASPD, which is antisocial personality disorder. I would say full-blown psychopathy which is a stronger form of antisocial personality disorder characterised by complete lack of conscience. I've just... I've just uh, this is fascinating. We're, we're racing through these terms. Cause I was just... I my, my, my ignorant question was going to be, when somebody's 
just in very basic terms. So she appeared to be very nice when Could you first be, met her. If Could she be, wanted. If she yes. wanted. While she was being nice, do you think she was still thinking about killing, yes. shooting? And, okay. Yes, I do. So, so what's going on inside their heads? Right. Well, I mean, that, she that had parallel. She had um, a dreadful upbringing, um, and uh, was molested by her father. Um, and so on and so on. However, it doesn't excuse her. No, because not everybody gets molested and becomes a killer. Yeah. Exactly. That. In fact, I would say the majority don't. Um, uh, but she was very early on uh, becoming a prostitute, pregnant when she was 14, slung out by her abusive father, um, and... Uh, eventually decided to go for prostitution to make a living. However, she had a hatred, I believe, of men. Not not a, a totally without understanding, uh, but at the same time, uh, as we just said, other people have also had terrible upbringings and they don't resort to serial murder. How does that, how does that happen? I mean, what... what... Lots of people are psychopathic, aren't they? Uh, and yes. don't, don't become serial killers. What's the you difference? They can become prime minister. Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say which Tony. Oh, sorry. Um, but they can become uh, defence barristers who uh, defend criminals that they know damn well have done what they've done and just doesn't faze them at all. That Everyone's you know, entitled to a defence under the law. Everybody is. I hear what you're saying. It is uh, it, because it, it's so easy to say, but to actually do requires yes. a separation, I guess, of moral responsibility yes. uh, and and legal uh, and legal burden. Well, I was going to become a barrister until I worked in the courts for two years and saw so many technicalities get absolutely certain criminals off. Yeah. Um, I thought, I can't do this for the rest of my days. I regret this now because both my children have birthdays either side of Christmas, so <laughs> January and February we have no money whatsoever. <laughs> Who else uh, do, you, uh, do you meet in this series? And I, I guess what I'm, I, I'm fascinated funny about is whether any of these monsters could be demonstified, for want of a better phrase. Uh, the ones who are psychopathic, which in my view is all eight, uh, cannot be demonstified um, in that they are psychopathic and psychopathy is not treatable. You can appear to treat it, um, but funnily enough, once they've got past the parole board, they come out and, strangely enough, it comes back again. Um, they can be extremely clever and extremely convincing and they know exactly what to say to make people think, oh yes, I now have victim awareness and all this cobblers. Um, they are not changeable. If you've not got a conscience, which is what psychopathy is, you can't go down the shops and buy one. Who's the scariest person you ever came across in your career? My ex-wife. Fred West, the, the tapes of his police interviews have been fairly widely circulated and they are extraordinary. I mean, I, 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 he's, he's asked to talk about for a, a murder victim A, and he starts saying, yeah, yeah, I, I think I, I dumped her in a field, da-da-da, down there. And he goes, oh, no, 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 that's not murder victim A, that's murder victim B, you don't know about her yet. And he's yeah. laughing as yeah. he's confessing to murders the police yeah. knew nothing about. How was Rose West by comparison? Well, I think she's very devious indeed, as I understand it. She has not confessed to any of it. Um, and my belief for that, or my suggestion as to why that is, isn't that she just wants to 
convince everybody that she's um, innocent because she, she must know that nobody believes that for one second. Um, rather, it's a private world for her that she doesn't want to share with a mere psychologist or, dare I say it, radio presenter. It's just not something she wants to part with. It's her little bone in the kennel, and that's not going to be shared with anyone. Is there a common denominator yeah. between uh, any of these serial the, the nearest, The nearest, the, the first thing this series um, will show is that you cannot have a generic... Um, word like or words like uh, serial killer, uh, and have any understanding of psychology or their psychology. Each one has to be understood entirely individually. If there is a common theme among them, it is the aforementioned psychopathy. And if you enjoyed all of that, make sure you tune in to the Matthew Wright Show with Kevin O'Sullivan every weekday from one on Talk Radio. <laughs>